0: Welcome to Between the Vines. Um, we're, we're doing the same thing we did, um, continuing this special ses- session with Extension Educator Andy Musa, a uh, team member of the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program for a long, long time. We've got a name for this special thing we're doing now, Musings with Musa. We did not have it the first time we did it, so so I didn't say it out loud. But in this series, we're going to cover... Some of the stuff he did over the length of his career—it's our sort of feeble attempt to make sure, one way to make sure we don't lose some of that knowledge that he's gained for the industry all over all of those years—and um, also give all of our growers, you know, one last chance to hear, you know, some of the things he's learned and taught the industry over the years, just in case you happen to have somehow missed it. Um, I know you had. 30 years of opportunities, but um, we want to make sure everybody gets one more chance before he uh, before he's um, off to doing better and more exciting things. Um, so last week we did talk a little bit about the beginning of your career, Andy, and um, it seemed to me, and I sort of know this, knew this, I don't know if everybody knew this, maybe in Erie County it was a little more well known since that's where you were working, but you, you sort of got your start in scouting and you've, d- you've done a lot in extension and growers over the years. But one of the things that I think was unique to you was the emphasis on scouting in commercial vineyards on a regular basis. I think all extension agents in a role like yours are going to do some scouting, especially on a, you know, in their applied research trials and things like that. But you just did a lot of hands-on scouting with commercial growers in commercial vineyards. I'm pretty sure extension might lose some of that asset as we move forward. Even if, you know, even if your position is filled, that's a really difficult thing for somebody to take over. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that'll continue in the same way that it's been happening. But you know, in the next 15 or 20 minutes, you know, I think we want to take a, a, a quick second to try to share some of the secrets that you have for that scouting with growers. You know, next year when everybody turns around and you're not there to find their downy mildew, um, how are they going to do it? And um, you know, I know you've worked with growers individually and in large groups to try to help them do that over the years, but you've also, you know, given some growers the opportunity to um, sort of get help from you along the way, which has been great. But if that help isn't there, you know, how do they do that on their own? so, like with phomopsis, what 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 are growers going to be looking for? We'll just start with phomopsis since that shows up first.
1: Well, uh, you you did give me a couple questions beforehand, so we, we should be uh, totally transparent. So I'm not uh, doing this uh, exactly. He can blind. do this blind. He wanted yeah. questions ahead
0: of time, but he could do this blind.
1: Right, but um, so <clears throat> it's it's kind of difficult to you sort of get a feel for it and it's kind of difficult to describe the symptoms. So um, from the questions you said, you know, what are they going to do or how are they going to do that? Um, fortunately, you know, when I go, uh, growers in the Lake Erie region still have a local resource in Brian Head, who's at the Lake Erie Regional Great Research and Extension Center in Northeast. So um, he's there and in addition, um, the grape growers have Katie Gold, who's the great pathologist at Cornell. So between both Brian and Katie, they're they're going to be excellent resources that can assist grape growers with their disease problems. So it's not like, you know, boom, what do we do? We have no one here to talk about diseases or help us. Um, You have some great resources that will be there in Brian and Katie. Um, And the other thing is there's there's a lot of diseases that occur on, on grapes in the United States and in um, and in um, throughout the world. Uh, so there are numerous resources that are available, which you know we can provide the growers, or we have, um, or you can go online. We have resources there. Um, the most comprehensive resource is probably the um, Compendium of Grape Diseases, Disorders, and Pests. Uh, that's published by uh, uh, American pathological society. That's an excellent resource. That, that guidebook provides information on identification and management of grape diseases. Um, it has a, a ton of color photos uh, with symptoms of the diseases. So it's an excellent resource. Uh, some portions of it get a little technical, but it, it's a really good resources. Um, but grape growers uh, should at least uh learn to identify the, the most common diseases, okay, um, in their region. So for ours in the Lake Erie region, probably the four most common you may see every season would be uh, phomopsis, uh, black rot, downy mildew, and powdery mildew. Uh, other common ones would be u typa slash potriospheria dieback and then also crown. Bull. So with those diseases, and then if you're talking with wine grape growers in our areas, they're also likely going to have to contend with botrytis and sure. and, and sour rot. So um, so I would say the most likely resource that growers are, are going to be familiar with and they should have and they should be familiar with is the most recent edition of the New York and, and Pennsylvania Pest Management Guideline for Grapes. Um, that, that's an invaluable resource that any grape grower in New York and PA uh, should have. Um, And there's chapters on pesticide information, insect disease, weed management, uh, pest management schedules for the different diseases, insects and weeds, and and a chapter on sprayer technology. So that resource is a a must. Um, And other local resources, again, when we talk about how to identify some of these things um, or information about the different pests, Uh, you could go to information that the Lake Erie Regional Grape Program on their website has for both past and present uh, newsletters and crop updates. Uh, Like you mentioned, I did a lot of scouting. My scouting, again, uh, was really for the crop updates during the season to keep growers aware of, of potential problems in their vineyards. So that's why I went out every week. It was time consuming, but it gave me a good handle on what was happening. And, you know, if growers didn't get the chance to scout, it also gave them, you know, information on what was out there at the time on a weekly basis. And then I, I included um, photos of what I was finding also. So if you go to, you know, the Lake Erie Regional Great Programs uh, webpage, you can look back at you know, past crop updates and newsletters. And I would urge growers to continue to do that, you know, when I'm gone or whatever, but, but that's great resources.
0: Well, and I'm told that, you know, your position is going to be filled. Um, At least that's what I've been told. And we're also, you know, there's also some rumblings of some IPM resources being made available to our grape growers as well. So I don't, I'm hopeful, and I don't think that there's going to be a complete void of knowledge in the area, um, but there certainly might be a temporary one as uh, as you as you retire, because these things always take time. Even if even if everybody, the university, the industry, is behind uh, refilling a position or restructuring a position and providing resources in some way, um, it it always takes time. So so in that interim. I think we will also, as a team, be curating some of those older articles throughout the growing season this year uh, so that the relevant ones are, are just, you know, at the top of the feed in the current newsletter or crop update, not the bottom. Now, it's not going to give you that that real time scouting update that you used to get. And we certainly won't get anything like that um, at first, but hopefully in the future, say in 2023, um, we will. And if it happens before that, great. But uh, in the meantime, we're, we'll be hands on with you. And, uh, you know, Andy's pointed out some excellent resources to help you out with it. But, you know, you may have to do a little bit more scouting on your own if you want to make sure you get excellent control of these major diseases, even in Concord. I, you know, you've talked a little bit about wine grapes. I didn't even mention um, Botrytis in the questions I sent you because I think and I hope that if you're growing things like vinifera, um, you've got a pretty good handle on scouting. Maybe not. Um, I could be wrong. But, <laughs> but I mean, you you can't spray your way out of a problem in vinifera the same way you can with Concord. Like with a really good spray program, uh, sometimes when you scout Concord, you don't see a whole lot. Um, you know, I I don't see black rot very often, and, and I didn't for years until last year. Um, I just... I, and I mean, I know it's out there, but it's not out there in a way that was economically meaningful. And if you walk fast enough, you really see none. Um, that's probably not the case in vinifera. And it always makes sense to do very regular scouting in vinifera in a way that's, not that it doesn't make sense in Concord, but but you might not go broke. <laughs> um, and in vinifera, you probably will.
1: Well, that, so, that brings up a really good point as to, um, especially with diseases, varietal susceptibility. I mean, we are fortunate with, with Concord in, you know, uh, that variety and not being as susceptible to, you know, a lot of these diseases like the, like the vinifera are, or, or at least to the extent that vinifera are. I mean, um, you know, you look at vinifera and any of those diseases and many more um, (laughs) they're susceptible to. So, you know, but you would hope that the wine grape growers uh, are really up on that, but you know our Concord growers should be too. And, and this is a good, good uh, point that if they haven't done this with, say, me retiring, um, that they really should have a handle. Um, it's their operation; it's their business on on what the different diseases and insects and weeds look like. So they should be out there routinely scouting. Yes. So you know. I would say at least on a weekly basis, you know um, I know it's difficult to do that, but get out there as much as you can. And it it really does pay. And you don't have to, you know, a lot of times uh, when you see these pest management programs uh, from a, from a standpoint, they'll say, okay, you have to, you have to count this many leaves, this many clusters, this and that, you know, as you're out there scouting, you you sort of get it, you know, a feel for it. So a grower doesn't necessarily have to go out and, you know, that would be ideal if they did, but we know they're not going to do it a lot of times, most times. So, you know, but you get a feel for it when you're out there as to, you know, Oh, this looks like more than I usually see, you know, and, and as long as you're out there and have a handle on it, you know, that's better than nothing. Right. So. um,
0: Yeah. And, I don't know, if, if anybody misinterpreted what I was saying as a like, hey, you can get away with not scouting in Concord, that's that's not where I was going at all. Right. Um, but th- just that scouting is a little more complicated in Concord in that the benefits really require you to to sort of get a feel for how bad the situation is and react appropriately, as opposed to, you know, Vinifera, where if you don't scout, you know, Vignoles is a great example. A lot of times Vignoles get scouted every day during harvest because you're waiting for that moment bef- right before everything blows up and you lose the whole crop and you want to keep them on the vine until right before that moment. And Concord doesn't go through anything that is that dramatic. I mean, yes, you can have disasters with black rot, but you have numerous opportunities to go out and scout and see that progression most of the time as long as you have a reasonable spray program. So. Yeah, getting a feel for it, I think, is, is probably more important if you're going to add value in Concord, because it's one thing to identify phomopsis as a disease, and it's another thing to say, I see it, but that's okay, or I, I see it, and it's, it's a real problem at that level. And those are two very different things in Concord, um, because things sometimes don't go crazy just because you see a little bit of something. Uh, because the other
1: thing with diseases you have to keep in mind is is uh, environmental conditions you know um they they can like you said before you you can't spray your way out of some of these things i don't care even with the fungicides the the great fungicides we may have now even if you have good timings and everything else the environmental conditions are right and you have some disease in there it it could be very, very difficult if the conditions are right to to manage these diseases, and that's even in a good program. So uh, it's important to be aware of that. That's why knowing the life cycle of the diseases, um, knowing when uh, the varieties are most susceptible to those diseases, all those things are, are extremely important. And on the disease end, um, you know, with with a lot of perennial crops, you. You know, like grapes. The earlier you do it, and the better the timing is when you're you're applying it to the most susceptible stages. Um, you you want to lessen the chances for diseases early in the season. If you take care of it early, a lot of times um, later in the season you can go to a more maintenance type situation. You know, especially in concords. Now, vinifera a lot of times. Unfortunately, just because they're so susceptible, you know, you got to really keep on top of it throughout the season. But even then, you know, if you do a really good job during those susceptible periods and keeping the disease down, um, and scouting, you know, you you can lessen uh, lessen the amount of sprays. I think you have a lot of times, and that, especially with Concord's, you know, later in the season, if you if you've um, you know, you go through by the second post-bloom spray on Concord's, and you've had a good spray program. Uh, a lot of times, then it's it's would be more after the second post-bloom. It would be more of a say get out there scouting to to make sure a situation you know doesn't start to build up or get out of hand. So, uh, again, knowing the disease uh, when when the variety that you're growing they're most susceptible. And then also uh, choosing the the right uh, pesticide for the problem is also important. So um, there's a lot of considerations that 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 growers have to, to take into uh, take into consideration when they're when they're looking at that. That's why planning a, a, a pest management program in the off season is you know really beneficial because you can always modify those plans depending on the season and and what the inoculum levels are, things like that. Uh, But have a plan in place before the season. And then also, you know, we'll get into your end and you can jump on this, the economic end. I mean, then you can plan on what you're gonna use. You might know beforehand what some of the chemical prices are, I mean.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if you look, maybe at a period a little bit earlier in my career, I think that was like a big urging. Like you should plan ahead. You should get the foundations of a good spray program. Talk to, you know, Andy or Tim about what a basic spray program is gonna look like based on your goals. Is it gonna be, you know, maybe you wanna upgrade it a little bit or downgrade it a little bit. What's that basic spray program gonna look like and then how are you gonna modify it if conditions are not what you expected? Honestly, now and in the last, this probably started four years ago, but it's become really intensive in the last year or two. You know, you have to have this plan. And I think most growers do have this plan because without this plan, you don't get materials. Um, Your spray program without a plan is you go, you ask them what they have in stock and you spray that because there's probably one option. And then you get to a point at some point in the season where you have to decide, you know, to sort of, violate what you should be doing with resistance management or even just straight up violate the label because that those are the only materials that are left that, that are available to you um, this is what happens now when you don't have a plan there there just is not the availability of product in real time anymore so i i actually think growers have probably figured that out for the most part and and a basic foundation is there for them to develop a plan um but yeah i mean we've always there, there's always advantages to coming up with that basic plan ahead of time and now it's just it's just almost mandatory
1: and the other thing that you know uh, when tim Weigel was on uh also uh, tim talked about a lot. i did really everybody on the team is you know the record keeping when we talk about that So, you know, I wouldn't look at, you know, insect disease or weed management on a yearly basis. Um, Look at it as a a continual basis. Um, In other words, build a history, have the maps, have your vineyard maps. When you're scouting, you know, uh, mark down on those maps. Okay, these areas, these are the pests. This is when I scouted and, and build a historical basis because then you can go back when you are planning you know, for the season, look at that map and what problems were, were there. And then, you know, you might have some blocks that had, you know, very little powdery mildew or whatever other blocks might've, you know, been a lot more, or you might've black rot in one area. Well, then you can concentrate, especially, if, you know, as we get into the season and, and times are, you know, especially early spring, summer, um, you know, you're trying to get everything done. Well, if you then know, say, a certain block has, you know, this disease and you have to get to it, well, it's better knowing that, especially if the weather conditions aren't right, and okay, I'll spray this block, but I might be able to, you know, wait a little bit on this one, because, you know, that block didn't have the inoculum levels that other blocks did. So it's a whole uh, system uh, of record keeping and building a history and, and knowing what's, what's, materials you put on like you mentioned resistance management you know you got to know too just because you spray doesn't mean you have control you know of the problem you have to go back and scout again to see did that control my problem and if it didn't then you have to look at the problems as to why possibly did not didn't that work Um, you know a lot of times people jump right to you know oh resistance the material didn't work well, there could be a lot of factors. There could be, you know, the, you know, your spray volume, um, you know, where you go on every other row. There's a lot of different factors. Um, but if you've done everything right with the factors you should have been, uh, then if that material didn't work, then, then you can start looking at, you know, maybe there is a resistance problem, but you right. won't really know that unless you're keeping track of, you know, a historical track of what you're using, uh, going back after you spray, did it work? Um, it, it's it's a lot of work. It is um, scouting and and taking care of your vineyards for insects, diseases, and weeds. But it pays off in the end.
0: Yeah, and I, I would encourage you. You know, if like we've said, this this part of this is really geared towards somebody who who has been who hasn't been doing this, um, but has been you know getting by anyway. Um, when when Andy's talking about scouting and doing it this way so there's a map you had to print a map um, you do some scouting you've got to mark down on that map where you're scouting and what you're seeing and what the date is and then you've got to log it and organize it so that there's some historical context there for what it means so I, if if you have a system that's working for you. I encourage you to change nothing. But if you're just getting into this, and part of it is that workload and the organization around it, um, take a look at my Efficient Vineyard, uh, the website, my Efficient Vineyard. Um, so that's at efficientvineyard.com. There's a tool there, my EV. Um, it is a web-based program. Uh, if you have any questions about how you like save a website to your phone so it looks more like an app, we can help you with that. Um, and then it, you know, it's it is formatted to look very nice on your phone. So then the map is there for you already. The date is there for you already. Uh, it's all set up to log data based on date and location. So the only thing you're doing is jotting down what you see. So you set up a database for um, scouting one or more diseases, depending on how you want to organize it, and you just rate as you go. So you see phomopsis, you you you'll you um, you know you'll have a pull-down menu that says Phomopsis. You'll select Phomopsis and you'll rate it. You rate it however you want to rate it. Um, w- there are tutorials on how to do this on the website. This is not where I thought we were gonna go, but I guess <laughs> I felt inspired uh, based on Andy talking about mapping on paper. Um, I'm old so, school. <laughs> so, you know, there's a pull-down menu that you created. So you select Phomopsis and you say, three and three is a level that might to you mean high and unacceptable and next year you're going to do a better job of control. Two means it's not good, you got to pay attention to it, Um, but you know you'll keep doing what you've been doing and one means it looks great and you'll probably keep doing what you've been doing and maybe zero means, I don't know, this four EBDCs I'm putting on pre-bloom maybe it's a little excessive and I should scale back for a year or two and keep scouting. or, you know, you want to rate it some other way, you can rate it some other way. But the point is the only thing you're jotting down there is the data and the the um, the and the rating. And so the rest of it, the organization and the context is automatic for each data point. And that's the real advantage of converting to something that's tech-based, even if you're sort of anti-tech. Um, I think anybody who can send 15 text messages a day can handle an app like this very easily. It is not the same as some other apps that will probably take you, you know, eight to 40 hours to really become masterful. in. it is designed to be a little bit easier than that. It can't do everything that those other pieces of technology can do. Um, That's not the point. The point is to make it a little more accessible. So check that out if you don't have a system yet.
1: Well, I, I think that's an excellent point, and you know, we didn't rehearse this. We just yeah, we did. <laughs> almost sounds like we did, but you know, I think that's the way to the future, anyway, Kevin. It really is. And uh, since it it's not as as difficult as say some of these other apps, um, that's also a big plus. But but right there, then you'll have the you know you'll start to build your historical database, um, and then you could use it you know just not just for insects and diseases and weeds, you know, nutritional problems, uh, you know, uh, everything. I mean, if you go through their um, uh, crop size, I mean, it, it, it's the wave of the future. And um, so that, that's an excellent point. I'm glad you, you mentioned that.
0: Um, but I think back to our original topic, just if you could give me <laughs> just a couple of sentences, if I was going to go out and look for phomopsis where would be the first place that you'd look for it? What might it usually look like
1: okay, in Concord? That's one of the first diseases that we're gonna see in the season. Okay. And, um, you know, again, we we recommend that growers, uh, whether you're Concord or Vinifera, at least by the three to five inch stage. Now, it, you know, Vinifera- So growers, three to five
0: inch I'm spraying, right? I'm not seeing it.
1: Right, right. Okay. But um, With phomopsis, it's gonna depend on what your inoculum levels are, you know, the previous season and things like that. But if you're out there looking um, on the leaves, you're gonna sort of get these very small lesions. They're almost like little pinprick lesions. And in the center is like a a brown or black uh, area. And then right around that black area is like a, a yellow halo. And these are small, small spots. So if you start to see those, that's an indication of, um, you know, infection on the leaves. Now, on the um, internodes, on the shoots, the internodes of the shoots, you usually, you'll look at, uh, say, the first maybe four internodes. Uh, that is, is, you know, where you're most likely to see the infections. And what you'll see there is like um, uh, black, black lesions. Uh, they may be depressed or a little bit sunken but like black streaks. And if it gets bad enough, it's like black scabby appearance. And that's what the lesions would look like on the shoots, on on those first say maybe four inner nodes. Um, So that would be an indication on the uh, shoots. And then the berries, um, what'll happen is uh, around the pre-bloom stage is when we suggest the spray pre and and the first post-bloom um that's the time when phomopsis uh is is likely to uh, infect the berries you know through the racuses uh especially through the racuses uh at that time and that's when they'll be susceptible as soon as as soon as those um uh are uh, visible uh, they can actually become infected and what will happen is uh, you may get an infection at that time period, but the fungus will remain dormant until you know near harvest. So, um, early in the season, you'd also look for like uh, black lesions, maybe on the racemes or the or the uh, pedicels.
0: Sure. So, um, <clears throat> speaking about early in the season, on a young leaf. Does phomopsis present itself as sort of the brown you were talking about? Or does it ever look?
1: No, it, it pretty much looks the same. Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it there might be slight differences on the, on the variety, but usually it looks, you know, about the same on, you know, most of the varieties. You sort of get the smaller pinprick. Uh, with the brown lesion in the center and a yellow halo. Uh, if it's bad enough, the infection on the leaf, though, you can have some of those lesions coalesce. So it looks like, you know, um, a bunch of lesions together. Uh, it may crinkle up the leaf a little bit, but that would be on a, a you know, more severe infection on the leaf. So even yeah. if it coalesces,
0: though, it's not going to look like a big circle, right? It's going right. to look like right. stippling. Unlike,
1: unlike black rot, yes. Right. It's not. I was
0: going to say. So we're talking about dark lesions on leaves, um, when we're not viewing a picture, because if you're listening to this, that could sound a lot like black rot. Um, But on a leaf, I mean, first of all, there's going to be a timing difference with black rot. But on a a leaf, how would black rot look different than phomopsis?
1: Well, black rot lesions, they're going to be uh, leaf lesions. They're going to be larger than, than the lesions of, of phomopsis uh, and they're going to be uh, they're going to be small brown circular lesions okay like a tannish brown and the surrounded by that tan brown coloration will be a darker margin okay and then you may or may not depending on um, the age of the lesion you may have small dark uh, pimple-like structures in that lesion, and they're pycnidia. So again, they're they're larger than the, the um, phomopsis lesions. Um, they're, they're different coloration. They're tan with, uh, like I said, a little darker border. And then you may or may not have, um, depending on the age of the lesion, those little black dots. Um, and a lot of times, it, it'll be like in a circular pattern, uh, sort of in the middle of that lesion. Um, So, yeah, and again, they can, if it's bad enough, I've seen where they coalesce and you can get a bunch of different lesions almost forming into, you know, uh, not one lesion, but, you know, a mass, whereas uh, if you have a single lesion and and the infection isn't as bad, um, it's more distinct. But when it's really bad, you know, you can get a bunch of these coalescing.
0: I would say, um, so one of the things we wanted to talk about today is, so you describe how it usually looks, And, and but one of the things I wanted to jump to, which is we, already, we just did that once and I want to do it one more time, is um, so how could that be confused with something else? And in this case, I think, you know, if you had black rot that was bad enough, you know, it's obviously not going to look like phomopsis. Would it start to look like a nutritional issue sometimes if you don't look closely enough?
1: Would it? would look more like not necessarily a nutritional okay but, um actually a spray injury
0: spray injury you
1: can actually because that's the, i would say that black rot lesions on the leaves could could be most confused with um spray spray lesions. you know how you get a little spray droplets that drift and then you'll get these little uh, brownish lesions on the um on the leaf so that would be the the biggest thing that you might confuse with a black rot lesion the other the other thing to consider is um say with black rot is you know where is it occurring and -hmm. this disease a lot of times um first places most likely to see it is say a border rows where you have maybe woods or a shaded area you know near that near that uh, row where um say you're you Moisture levels will last longer during the day, you know, if the sun doesn't dry that out. So um, border areas, um, low, low-lying areas uh, in your vineyard, uh, that, would, that would maybe um, hold the moisture more. Uh, and then also uh, look at, at the trellis as you're, um, even, even before the, the buds break and you get into the season, if you're out there trimming, you know, if you've had black rot, you'll see, you know, the rakies, you'll see the mummies that are hanging. And if you're seeing that mummies um, still hanging on those clusters, which are hanging in the trellis, then, you know, that's that's a, a prime indication that you're going to have problems uh, with black rot in that area. So depending on on where you're looking at, but if you're scouting, I would For for any of these diseases, you know, have a have a scouting protocol. But if you can't get to all the areas, say, you know, the outside of the vineyard and the in, concentrate, say, maybe first on your border areas, low lying areas, things like that. That will maybe um, areas that any areas that are shaded uh, longer in the day that that the foliage might not dry off as quick.
0: Um. So I think with phomopsis, I don't know if we mentioned this. And I hate to go back, but just very briefly, if you were going to look for Phomopsis, um, and and things were pretty clean, where would you first look? Would that be on the cane or the leaf or somewhere else?
1: No, that would be on the cane. On the cane. Uh, the leaf okay. lesions, leaf lesions. Um, you you don't really worry about that um, during the season, as like you would black rot. Black rot. You know, if you get those leaf lesions they'll continue throughout the season to release spores. So you get, you know, secondary uh, infection cycles, things like that. Phomopsis uh, infections on the leaves don't do that. But, but what that is is an indication of that phomopsis is there. And if you have a lot of leaves with those, it's an indicator that, hey, I, I may have uh, higher inoculum levels of phomopsis, but you don't worry about the leaves as far as um, for that season. Continuing the disease cycle, and so like, like you said, you look on the um, you look on the canes.
0: So black rot, I would say, I can I can say pretty confidently, most of our growers that scout look at the cluster first for black rot. Right. Is well, that where you Is that where you would look as well?
1: Um. Again, depending on you know, if I'm out there early in the season. A lot of times in areas again that had high inoculum levels, and this is not like you know most vineyards, but high inoculum levels, um, you'll find it on the leaves, uh, you could find it on the leaves early in the season, you know, before you start to see the the um uh on the berries. So okay. again, depending on the inoculum levels, you would look to see, and if you're starting to see those those leaf lesions that early, you you know, you you better you know, be prepared to, to spray for black rot. But the other thing is if you're seeing those leaf lesions that early, then you look to see, um, if there's black rot, uh, mummies in the trellis, because what'll happen is it, it can it'll overwinter in those mummies in the trellis. Then when the conditions are right, the spores will, will, um, will be, Evicted from those mummies, and then they'll land on leaves, say closer to where those um, uh, mummies are. So, uh, and you're, and, and a lot of times, if you're finding the lesions on the leaves, look around and closely in the trellis. You're probably also going to find out that there's either mummies in that trellis or you have cane lesions from the previous season uh, and that's where those infections came from and and yeah so
0: um I, I mean know. i think in one sense you're agreeing with the growers like the serious issue is the cluster but you know don't overlook the leaves because you could actually use that to manage i mean hopefully yes. your vineyards are clean enough so that so that so, so that it doesn't get to that point but but you could, you know, you you could look at leaves early enough in the season and take a really bad problem and make it just kind of a dull roar, perhaps, and clean it up over the next year or so. Right, right. And, and you know, save your crop for sure. Um,
1: and, and then again, it can also be an indicator if you're seeing those leaf lesions earlier before that immediate pre-bloom spraying yep. where we say that should be, you know, the immediate pre and post are critical times for uh, con- uh, managing black rot on the clusters. If you're seeing those leaf lesions that early, you you darn well better, you know, be prepared to keep your immediate pre and post bloom sprays tight, you know, within 10 days to 14 at the latest. Um, so, so you see is, these- a good indicator.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess let's pretend you see them um, and you react and you spray a material for black rot at that time of year. In a concord maybe it's ebdc or something like that does that change what things are looking like what do you what do you mean by that so are you still going to see sort of a brown rusty yellowish brown circle with pycnidia on the leaves on it yeah if if you you effectively kill that black rot will will it look the same or will it look different
1: no it really doesn't you know it, it probably what will happen is you, you won't, you know, see more of those um, lesions um, on that leaf or other leaves. The, you'll stop the progression as long as you have good coverage and everything else. But it's not gonna, you're not really gonna be able to tell um, unless you might have some situations where it sort of, that lesion might dry out. But I, I wouldn't say that, that, you would necessarily see a distinct difference even though you sprayed. Now, sometimes on the um, on the clusters, I have seen where uh, you'll see a black rot infection that was actually stopped. In other words, instead of progressing to where you get that um, chocolate brown coloration on the berry, and then it progresses to then the, the, you'll a see... Raisin. The, yeah. yeah, right. Then the raisin and the um, I have seen where growers have sprayed and you just see like a, uh, you'll see where that that lesion has actually stopped and it hasn't progressed any further. So um, in that case, you know, the growers have probably used a back action fungicide uh, and and that actually stopped the progression of the disease so that the whole berry wasn't lost. So I have seen that.
0: Yeah, I would say that's not a um trying to think of one of the things that that's been confused with probably a couple different things but but that's not um insect damage like that's not a sting from a berry moth or anything Uh, you would see a sting if it was a sting it it it, but it is round so um it, it can be black rot if you don't look closely enough and probably like what Andy said earlier um, sort of to alleviate some of that confusion is I think your database of what you've been fighting usually will tell you um, that you need to take a closer look to to identify what it is. Um, although you know, border rows next to woods, it could be either one. So sometimes you just need to look really close.
1: Yeah, and that's why that's why it is important that growers use these resources um, and. You know, before they go out in the vineyard and yep. and look at, you know, what the symptoms look like, so that when you go into the vineyard, you have a much better idea. And if you don't know, then then um you know let somebody in the Lake Erie Regional team know. You know, yep. take a picture and send it. Um, you know, like I said, uh, disease wise, uh, you know, Brian or, or Katie, you know, you could send pictures to. So, uh, but but educate yourself first. On what those symptoms look like uh, with the color photographs, then you'll have a better idea when you go into the vineyard and this is a, this is difficult to on a podcast to describe <laughs> well, I you know I
0: don't think we're gonna tr- we're gonna really be able to accomplish educating growers on the difference the exact differences in quickly identifying, say, uh, a black rot lesion that was stopped by a back action spray material and a situation that is just a great berry moth sting um, in in the case where they might look familiar under cer- or look similar under f- certain conditions. Um, but I think it's just, I think what I have seen is as sort of the, you know, sometimes people come to me with these questions and I'm not really the right person to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, Is these are the things that are not necessarily mistakes, but confusion that that happen on, uh, you know, more than once. I've seen something like this where it's been misidentified in one direction or the other. So if you take a look at something and you're not, and you, you know, hopefully a podcast like this, it will allow you to question yourself and you'll take another look and- with those resources whether it's it's the lake Erie regional grape program team members or it's the compendium of diseases or it's uh, some of the online website based tools i think you'll be able to get there pretty easily eventually on your own but certainly with the help of an expert you'll be able to get there and then all of a sudden these things that might be a little bit confusing seem like second nature to you as a grower
1: well and the other thing is too you know you have to look at you know more than one so if you have a symptom symptoms aren't you know there's classical symptoms that but you know even with the individual diseases depending on what variety it is depending on the time of season that the infection took place there are differences uh in in what they may look like so you know as you're going through if you like you said for berry moth if you're seeing one or two holes in a berry uh okay what is this but you know keep looking at those clusters and you know if there's a lot of these berries um if you break them open there's a worm there's there's a lot of different ways that you know uh you can can look at this and, and get down to the answer as to what it was
0: yeah i would say for the most part if the disease is very severe it gets a lot less confusing or yeah. the insect damage is very severe it gets a lot less confusing yes. The only exception I can think of is that one year where phomopsis was so bad. Instead of seeing phomopsis like symptoms, it was just black. So you, yeah, I think there was a little bit of a lack of confidence in identifying that as phomopsis because there wasn't. They weren't dots. They weren't striations. It was just black. And then when that shoot finally started to grow, it became pretty easy to identify. But but that's the one instance I can think of where the severity of the disease actually made it more confusing, not less. But yeah, if you've got enough powdery or black rot or any or any of the insect damage, some of it, most of it is eventually going to look like classic symptoms. And if you just have a little bit, sometimes it looks a little strange. Like we talked about with, you know, back action fungicides stopping the disease in its tracks. That's when it gets confusing because you might see one or two berries and, you know, you know, like, like with with um, a great berry moth, same kind of thing. If you just see a little bit, you might not see any worms. You might, you certainly won't see anything flying around, but if it gets bad enough, you might see them flying around. You might see worms. You, might... <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember Andy told me once, you never see them fly, and then, like, two years later, he was in a vineyard that was so bad. He's, no, they're just flying all
1: over the place. <laughs> Typically, you don't see them. Right. right. You see them flying around, and it's it's bad. You know it's bad then. Um, But I think,
0: you know, in vinifera, in what we have right now with high-value concord, um, I think people are trying to catch diseases earlier, and and it is a little more difficult to do that. So uh, some of these resources become more important. We were, and Andy's probably expecting me to keep going, but we were going to talk about downy mildew and powdery mildew. Um, We have some more time. We have a few more weeks to to do this stuff. And... uh, we have pretty much fulfilled our time and I don't want to keep our listeners going too long. I'd rather get into some detail about this stuff and flesh it out so that you've got this basis of knowledge uh, rather than trying to gloss over it. So, so probably uh, in our next episode, uh, our special episode of Musings with Musa, we will cover powdery mildew and hopefully we will get to downy mildew as well. Uh, thank you all for joining us. I know Andy's more than happy to be here so frequently, um, on camera, but, um, I do appreciate Andy joining us again, uh, sort of as, in, in this last, um, you know, push to get some information out to growers. A lot of people like to retire in place and I knew Andy wouldn't do that and he, I could guilt him into doing extra work all the time. He's always been great at that. so. Um, I do appreciate him joining us, and
1: thank you to our listeners, and we will be back next week with more.